Well, we're back over in the book of Esther, chapter 7, and if you weren't here two weeks ago, we were looking at what a difference a day makes. That so many times in the Word of God, we see that a day, one day, the children of Israel were paying all kinds of money for a donkey's head. And the prophet came out and said, by this time tomorrow, a loaf of uh, bread or a bushel of wheat or whatever it would be, gave the price and they said, there's no way that will happen. And the person who said it, the prophet said, well, you'll hear about it, but you won't see it. And sure enough, he was trampled at the, at the gate when the lepers had gone into the camp of the enemy and found out they had all left and they came in there and took all their stuff. Boy, God can just turn things around. Children of Israel are on one side of the Red Sea and things look bad. They're in the desert and there's no water, no food. Things look bad. David is fleeing Saul and things look bad. But oh, I'll tell you what, God can just turn things around. We just got to have faith in Him and not faith in anything else. So last week we saw what a difference a day makes and this week we get to see what happens when God's given a little bit more time. <laughs> Give God a little bit more time and boy, I'll tell you what, He can just do all sorts of stuff. See, Joshua knew that. He said, you know, give God a little bit more time. All kinds of stuff will happen. So he said, don't let the sun go down. And so God said, okay. And he didn't, didn't let the sun go down. And boy, all kinds of stuff happened. What a God we serve. Amen. Well, we call this one here, Holy Backfire. We had before Holy Conspiracy. And that, of course, is in the uh, words of Robin from Batman and Robin. Because, you know, everything was holy. <laughs> Holy backfire. My other, my second uh, thought for the title of this one was seconds, because this is a this is a uh, chapters here of seconds, and the first seconds we have is the second banquet, because Esther had asked the king to come to the first banquet, so they went to that one. And now we go to the second banquet, because at the first banquet she said, "Come to my second banquet." Now the king knew that she wanted more than just to come to a banquet, and so he's going to ask again, "What is it that you want?" Now, last time we saw that Haman had come in to ask for the head of Mordecai and the king said, who's in the court? They said, Haman is. And so Haman came on in and they said, what can we do for the man that uh, the king wants to honor? So he comes up with this great scheme, what to do. And he says, good, go out there and do it for Mordecai. <laughs> Make it quick. Go out there and do it right now. <laughs> and he was so ill from all that, he had to go home and just rest. And in the midst of all that, he's brought out to the second banquet. So the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther. And on the second day at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, Now this banquet of wine, you'll see this mentioned a number of times. And I am told that the Persians, when they had banquet, you know, when, when I go to a, uh, a buffet, you all know what is not on my plate. I go to a banquet. It doesn't mean everybody gets the idea I don't eat veggies. I do eat veggies, just at home. There's some things you do at home and some things you do when you're out. Eat vegetables is not one of those things I do when I'm out. But when the Persians had banquet, they apparently didn't do too much with the main course. The main thing of the Persian banquet was, now it's not just wine, but the main part of the Persian banquet was wine, and you might like this. They spent most of the time drinking wine and eating dessert. That's what their banquets were mostly about, was, was wine and desserts. Not too much in the main course part. <laughs> I think they had some main course, but it was mostly wine and dessert, and you spent all that time sipping and drinking the wine and going from one dessert to another and a whole lot of talking in between. 
So that's what they mean with a banquet of wine. The king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Up to half the kingdom it shall be done. Then Queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me and my petition and my people at my request. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. They all basically mean the same thing, but she's, uh, I guess, you know, emphasizing the point here. <laughs> Had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. Now, she hasn't mentioned really any specifics. She just made this request, and of course, this got the king upset. So King Ahasuerus answered and said to Queen Esther, Who is he? And where is he? Who would dare? Who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? So now we have the opportunity. Now Haman's probably on the other side said, Yeah, who is that God? I mean, I mean who would do this to the queen? Can't believe, King, can you believe somebody would do this to the, to the queen? Because huh. you know, there's only three people there. And Esther said, the adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. <gasps> now, I'm, I don't know if Haman's put two and two together just yet because he's, he's thinking, I haven't done anything to the queen. <laughs> What's this about the queen? But he knows he's just been singled out. And he has some experience with the king. And I don't think he thinks he's in good shape. So Haman was terrified before the king and queen. He suddenly realizes he's outnumbered. <laughs> then the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went into the palace. Well, palace garden, but Haman stood before Queen Esther, pleading for his life, for he saw that evil was determined against him by the king. So what happened? It's basically the same thing that happened here that happened before with, with the queen Vesti. This the king doesn't want to respond out of anger. We see this again. So it seems to be this is something about him anyway. He he, he went away and decided, I'm, I'm not going to just respond. I'm going to wait and see what's going on. And so he, he does go ahead and does, and does this. Now, we just skipped over a couple of these phrases. But uh, in verse 5, the phrase, who is he and where is he, is the fourth acrostic in Esther where the name Jehovah is hidden. Who is he and where is he? But this is the only time that the word I am that I am is used. That is the name of God that is used here. All the other times it is Yahweh. Uh, but here, I am that I am. The Hebrew letters here, the abbreviation is E-H-Y-E-H. -E if you want to write that down, it probably won't mean a whole lot to you. It doesn't mean a whole lot to me, but it's here in my notes. And if you want to write it into yours, you may go right ahead. <laughs> but that is the, the fourth one. And then we'll also notice that the fifth one is, is there as well. And uh, that is that there was evil determined against him. Speaking of Haman. The words, that there was evil determined against him is the fifth acrostic. And here we hear, once again, the, the word for Jehovah, Yahweh, is, is hidden there. So we see that those things are, are put in. The name of God. Could be that other people from other countries reading this may not notice, notice it, but certainly the Jewish people would notice it. So when the king returned from the palace garden to the place of the banquet of wine, Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. And the king said, Will he also assault the queen 
Why I am in the house? And as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Now, a couple of things may have happened here. First of all, you know, he's pleading for his life and he's, he figures, I have no shot with the king, so I'm going to see if I can, you know, women generally have a softer side than men do. Because when men get mad and we get determined, that's it. It's over. But sometimes, you know, maybe you can reason with the, the woman here and peel to her softer side. And uh, whether or not that was working, we have no idea. I would really tend to doubt it because Queen Esther was pretty determined that her people were being wronged and people were coming against them and, and that he wanted to kill her uncle and all sorts of stuff. So I don't think there was any shot that he had. Of course, at this point, you know, how much Haman really knows about what he has done and all the things that are going on here, I, hmm. you know, who knows? Because right now, Esther and Mordecai, it's not really known their relationship. And so Haman has really no way of knowing that the guy he was out there to try and kill was her uncle. Raised her. He doesn't know all this sort of stuff. So he may still think he has a shot and she's thinking, man, you, nothing, no. <laughs> it's over. And so she's not apparently being moved. And so he, um, uh, when she's sitting on the couch, I guess, you know, to get away from him, ignore him or whatever. And he drapes himself over. The king comes in. And whether he really believed that he was making advances at the queen, which would be doubtful that anyone in this position would be making advances at anyone. So either he just, he didn't really believe that or he just saw it and used it as an occasion. But when he said those words, his servants were around and they knew this guy's done. This guy's done. And so they come over and they take a cover and they put it over his face. What's interesting though is that this is not known to be a Persian rite. This is more of a Roman rite that uh, for those that are executed, you would take uh, the bag or the, the cloth and, and put it over their, their face. That they would not be seen anymore. That they really would not see the light of day anymore. And then they would be executed. So uh, we don't really know of that being done much in the Persian area, but apparently it was done here. So... Verse 9, now Harbana, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, look, the gallows, 50 cubits high, it's about 104 feet. <clears throat> For those of you entrenched in football season, about a third of a football field. <laughs> about that high. You know, about the total amount of yards that Donovan McNabb and Washington Redskins covered over the course of the first quarter. Just getting you an idea where the, how tall that was here. <laughs> All right. About 50 cubits high, 104 feet, somewhere in that area, which he had made for Mordecai, who spoke good on the king's behalf, is standing at the house of Haman. Then the king said, hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath subsided. So one day, Haman makes these gallows for Mordecai, comes in the next day to try and put Mordecai on it, finds out he has to honor Mordecai instead. And then comes in the next day and finds out he's going to be hung on it. Boy, do things change. Now, this is interesting. I'm not, again, you know, the men of this age and this, this era, their, their views on people, it just was, you know, despicable. We talked about their views of women already. But take a look, you know, the, the views not only of women, but of their views of children. How many fathers would take a gallows that you're going to hang somebody on? Now, not hang them by the neck, but to hang them on, they, uh, they die a slow death on this, this thing. They're basically just tied to it and, until they wilt and die. Uh, how many of you would do that at your home? Your house. 
where your kids play. Because, you know, he was showing off his kids a little while ago. We know he's got kids. So you put this at your house for this thing to be done to your enemy. So your kids see it. Your wife sees it. And he, he has no more respect for that. So the king just says, put him on it. So now he is going to be hung there for his wife and his kids to see him slowly die. Boy, that is something else, isn't it? Well, let's go on. So we see that the king, he doesn't respond right away. He walks off a little bit, cools off a little. I imagine he also reflected on the day when Haman came to make requests about the Jews. Don't you imagine he would have gone back over here and made, made it, uh, just thought about all these things. Well, you know what? When he came and made that request to me, how did he phrase that? What is it that he said? Huh. He said this and, yeah, he said this and, wow. Boy, he really was deceiving me, wasn't he? He didn't want to let me in on all the, the things that he was... Wow. He probably was, was pondering all those things that going back to that day when that uh, thing was made. So let me go on. Verse 1 of chapter 8. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told how he was related to her. Now it comes out. Well, there's no sense in it not coming out now. She's already revealed herself to be a Jew. The whole idea was to not reveal that he was the uncle so that her nationality would not be known. But now her nationality is known, so there's really no sense in hiding it anymore. So she says, uh, the guy Mordecai, the the one you just honored yesterday, uh, he's my uncle. (laughs) So she finds out that the queen's uncle is Mordecai who exposed the plot to try and kill the king. So the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman. Well, when Haman was going to be killed, the signet ring, which signified his position, as well as the, uh, gave him authority to do things in the name of the king, it was taken from him. He was, that was done before he was uh, taken off to be executed. And so when Mordecai came in and the king gave the signet ring to Mordecai, what he did was he elevated Mordecai into the position that Haman had. So just get the full picture here. Mordecai is about to be killed by Haman. And in a matter of two days, Mordecai now has his position and Haman dies. So he's got his salary now too. And whatever he could do before, Mordecai can do now. But then it gets better. So the king took off his signet ring, which he had given to Haman, so taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman. Basically, wherever he was living was not worthy of his position. So he, so Esther, who was given the house of Haman, all his riches, all his stuff, and his house was given to Esther. Now Esther cannot give it away. Because it is a gift from the king. You don't give away a gift from the king. You keep a gift from the king. You know, it's like if, you know, if, if you're uh, someone's special spouse, parent, gives you something special. You don't give it away to someone else. Yeah, that's, I mean, you, yeah, you might re-give some people's gifts, but you don't do those kinds. You don't want to do that. And so uh, Esther, I'm sure, knows this. And so she says, look, I'm not going to move into it because I have my own residency over here. I've got the queen's quarters. And, you know, Haman's place is nice, but 
Mine is better. <laughs> so I'm going to stay where I'm at. I don't really need to go anywhere. I don't really need to move. Uh, but, you know, Mordecai, you, you need to go somewhere. You need to move. So I'm going to give you charge over Haman's house. So, you know, the best way for you to do that and take care of my gift is for you to live there. Apparently, it can't be all that far from the palace because you know, the commute was able to be made by Haman before. So, <laughs> this is uh, this is all good. So, and if you think about this too, the the gallows is put onto Haman's property, and so Mordecai gets Haman's property, and so there's the gallows, and Haman will still be on it because it's not a fast death. <laughs> So Mordecai probably came over and says, hey, just to let you know, take good care of your house while you're gone. What's the combination to the safe? Never mind. We'll just take care of that. <laughs> oh, and how much is in your savings account? Just needed to, you know, just so I can make some plans here. Uh, we're thinking of renovating the back. I want to know how much money we had to do that. And the... You know, and the and the uh, gold where you have, is that solid gold? Or is it gold-plated? If it's gold-plated, I'm probably going to get rid of it. <laughs> I don't know if he's having fun with them out there like that, but they, well, you, the temptation would be there, wouldn't it? <laughs> to going out this boy, is, is all this stuff changing. So now, Mordecai, who is going to be killed by Haman, the second most powerful person in the kingdom, now has his house, has his stuff, lives in his, is a, in his house, Where's the ring that he used to wear and has the position that he used to hold? All that quickly. Things are sounding pretty good, aren't they? Now Esther spoke again to the king, fell down at his feet and implored him with tears to counteract the evil of Haman the Agagite and the scheme which he had devised against the Jews. And the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, If it pleases the king and if I have found favor in his sight, and the thing seems right to the king, and I am pleasing in his eyes. <laughs> Let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agite, which he wrote to annihilate the Jews who are in all the king's princes, uh, provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that will come to my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my countrymen? Now, at this point, Esther is basically going to be told this. Queen, we're not. This is not written in the text. This is what basically the king is going to be saying to her. I have good news and bad news. Which do you want first? I don't know if he put it to her that way, but in any way, he he basically brought up the bad news first. The bad news is this: whatever is written by the king as an edict in his name cannot be revoked. Cannot be revoked. It's done. Once it's out there, it's, it's going to happen. That's, that's the law of the uh, Persians and, and the Medes and all that. We learned that from the book of Daniel. Because of what was written. The king went out and he tried all kinds of ways to get rid of that thing so that Daniel wouldn't have to be thrown into the lines and he couldn't do it. And Daniel said, look, don't worry about it. It's fine. Throw me in. So they did. But they looked all night trying to find a way out of the thing and they couldn't find it. So this guy, he didn't even try. Not even trying. I know. It's iron tight. I made the decree. That's the way it's going to be. So that's the bad news. Now, if you're thinking, if you're Esther and you're Mordecai, and you're thinking, man, things, things are really looking good for us. I mean, in a matter of a couple of days, we went from nothing to wow. From people coming against us 
to now I'm second in the kingdom. And I wear the king's signet ring. If I write something and put that ring on it, that's the king's word. And it cannot be revoked. That's a lot of power. But their people are still in trouble. And so they're bothered by this, as most of us would be. Because the people are still... They can be taken care of. And so they come to the, she comes to the king and he implores them, I, we need to change this. And the king says, I can't change it. You, you know, I mean, the king sent out up to half the kingdom. Yeah, well, that's apparently beyond half the kingdom. I can't change it. Can't do it. Nope. Can't be done. That is the bad news. Hmm. Well, that was some good news. So he goes on and he gives them some good news. You ready for the good news? Then Queen Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, Indeed, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows because he tried to lay his hands on the Jews. You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. So the king's scribes were called at that time in the third month, which is the month of Sivan, that's the uh, Chaldean, or the Persian name for the month, on the 23rd day, and it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded to the Jews, the satraps, the governors, and the princes of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces at all, to every province in its own script, to every people in their own language, and to the Jews in their own script and language. Now here we see that end to the Jews is added. It would seem that the first decree was written to everybody but the Jews. And the Jews found out about it, you know, as people, what's this I'm reading about you guys? But it wasn't actually written to them. But this one is written to all of them and to the Jews. So it was written in their language so that they could read it as well. This is about, from what I'm told on the, on the, as far as the timing, they got about eight months until the day comes, the 13th day of the 12th month comes. They got about eight months to go. So they call the king's scribes. Mordecai gets in there. Apparently, Esther doesn't have too much to do with this. This is all Mordecai's doing. And it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded to the Jews, the satraps, the governors, and the provinces the provinces from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces in all, to every province in its own script, to every people in their own language, to the Jews in their own script and language. And he wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus, sealed it with the king's signet ring, and sent letters by couriers on horseback riding on royal horses, Bred from swift steeds. <laughs> we're getting the we're getting the news out there. By these letters, the king permitted Jews who are in every city to gather together and protect themselves to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the forces of any people or province that would assault them, both little children and women, and to plunder their possessions. On one day, in all the provinces of King Hasuerus, on the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. A copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province and published for all people so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers who rode on royal horses went out, hastened and pressed on by the king's command and the decree was issued in Sushan, the citadel. So this is what basically is going to happen. They are told, as far as the Jews are concerned, that on that day when they are to gather against you, Instead of that, you all can bind together as one group. Because they figured you'll have a better chance at survival, more so than individually, if you all come together. So we are authorizing you to band together as like an army. 
in every city where you're at, you can band together as an army and protect yourselves. And anyone who comes against you, you are therefore authorized to come against them, to kill them, and to take all their stuff. So here's what you have. You have in here two decrees. One decree for the enemies of the Jews to go out and to kill them, and the other one for the Jews to go out and kill their enemies. Now this was orchestrated to wipe out the Jews. Because Satan's idea was if we wipe out the Jews, then we wipe out the possibility of the seed. And therefore, the prophecy given back in Genesis will never come about. So he's always trying to get the Jews. And we saw from the book of Revelation how Satan warred against the woman before she gave birth. And this is part of that war, coming against them and trying to wipe them out. And so the second decree is put out. And in the second decree, it says, now you can defend yourselves. So now, and everybody hears this. So the people, the Jewish people may not have gotten the first decree, but they got this one. And all the rest of the people got both. So now you have in your hands documents that one that authorizes you that if you want to, you can go out there and kill the Jews and take their stuff. But they're also authorized that if you make the motion to go after them, that they can come to you, against you as one unit, which was not authorized for the other people. They were not authorized to band together as a, uh, as a like an army. But the Jews were. And so now you have to come against them in, in that sort of a way. Because now they're all banded together. If you want to come in there, you've got to kill them first and then you can go take their stuff. But now they're all banded together. It's going to be harder to kill. But as soon as you make the move, they can come after you. So this will just determine those people that just hate the Jews. Because you have to hate the Jews to, to want to do this. Because it's a tough mission. So if they come and they, got, they come against the, the children of Israel, then they just say, aha, enemy, right there. Let's get them. And they can come kill you, take all your stuff, and you're done. So this is a way, really, that initially was supposed to get rid of the Jews and to now purge those that would hate them from the empire. Oh, what a God we have. Who can take the plans of the enemy and turn them around so the enemy became weaker. Because after this day, the people had to make a decision. Either we go against them and die, possibly, or we don't. And then the enemies become weaker in the, in the kingdom. And so Satan may have been able to mobilize some, and apparently he did because some people hated the Jews so much. They said, I don't care. We're, we have our opportunity. We're going to take it. And the Jews slaughtered some people and took some stuff. But as soon as the decree... Well, we'll get to that in here in a minute because some things will, will begin to change. So we got the new decree. It goes out. All the people are out there. Ready to um, ready to do something, <laughs> one way or the other. Everybody, the whole bunch of people don't want to do anything at all. They say, "I'm just going to stay at home. I'm planning on taking the day off from work. I'm just going to stay at home. I'm not going to go outside. I'm doing nothing." But that's not everybody. The couriers who rode on royal horses went out, hastened and pressed on by the king's command, and the decree was issued in Susha and the citadel. So Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in the royal apparel of blue and white with a great crown of gold and a garment of fine linen and purple. Not the same crown of a crown that the king wore, but it was a crown of gold. And the city of Sushan rejoiced and was glad. Do you remember when the first edict was passed by Haman? It said that the people were perplexed. They were, well, what's going on with this thing? People were perplexed. But when this decree came out, the people are glad. I'll tell you what, you can tell when things are of God. When things are of God, 
when decrees come out and they're of God, people are blessed and people are glad. When they are not, people are sad. People are perplexed. People are unsure. And this one, the city of Sushan rejoiced and was glad. Because they heard that other decree and they said, this just doesn't sound, why should we annihilate this, these people? Ah, now anyone who comes up against them, then they can, all right, this is, this is better. We like this. They were glad and they rejoiced. And in every province and city, wherever the king's command and decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness and a feast and a holiday. Then many of the people of the land became Jews. <laughs> because fear of the Jews fell upon them. So even before the war started, they already picked sides. We want this side. We're, we're going to be on this side over here. Uh, how do I become a Jew? What do I got to do? Point me in the right direction. Tell me what I got to do. What do I got to do to become a Jew? Now they probably didn't like the answer. <laughs> All right, every male in your household has to be circumcised. So you can tell how convinced these people were. We, we, uh, we want to make sure we're on the right side. We're going to be there. And so you know they're out there. If they had yarmulkes, they're wearing yarmulkes. They needed an accent. They picked up an accent. Whatever it was they needed, they got it going. <laughs> so that they sounded Jewish. They looked Jewish. By the time they got there, they want people to say, we're, we're the Jews. And when the Jews banded together, guess where they were? Somewhere in the middle, probably. <laughs> we don't want to pick a fight, <laughs> but we want to be here if there is one. This is what we want to do. <laughs> you know, some folks just don't like fights. Now, if, you, if you're, any of you are hockey fans, you know there are some players out there in hockey, they just like fights. They're just drawn to fights. They're going to have fights. And, uh, uh, but there are some people they, that became Jews, they don't want fights. They... They want to get away from all that. And so, I'm, I'm going to become a Jew. They already picked the winning side. This is the winning side. This, this side right here. We saw all that happen. That's amazing. Haman came against Mordecai. We didn't even know he was a Jew. We didn't know Queen Esther was a Jew. Oh, man. Look at how God turned them around. Mm. Wow. We're going, to be on, on, we're going to be on this side. We see some things already that are going on and we don't want to be on the other side. So, a whole mess of people already become Jews. Now, I'm sure that they weren't real devout Jews. <laughs> They may have been Jewish on the outside and heathenistic on the inside. I don't know exactly. They may have been converted Jews all the way up until the 13th of Adar. <laughs> we don't know. You know, when 9-11 hit, we had a whole lot of people who got spiritual for a couple months. And then by the time the next anniversary of 9-11 hit, how many people who had gone into churches were no longer in the churches anymore? It's, uh, it's kind of left all that sort of stuff. So, you know, people can get religion. It can help them out, you know, for a couple months. But then, you know, it'll kind of wane. This one's going to last at least eight months. They're going to be Jewish for at least eight months. <laughs> Don't know what happens to them after that, but for eight months, they're going to be Jewish. Hmm. But for Mordecai, I mean, things have gone, gone pretty well. He lives in Haman's house. That's a pretty nice thing. It's probably better than where he was living. He has his position. He has, he has Haman's position. And he's got Haman's power. And yeah, he doesn't have to hang outside the gate anymore. Or at the gate. He can go through the gate. Anytime he wants to. Just like Haman could. Things are, things are certainly good. 
And Mordecai's exaltation is not the first time this happened in history. We see a lot of times that the Jewish people got exalted in foreign lands. You know, Joseph was exalted in Egypt. Second only to Pharaoh. Moses was heir to the, to Egypt, to the, to the throne of Egypt. And Daniel, of course, we know him and his uh, three buddies. They're all exalted in Babylon and, 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 uh, and Daniel was being considered to be put over the entire land. God can elevate people. God can turn situations around in such a short period of time. God can take a situation that was made to wipe you out and turn it into good. That it comes right back on the people that made the plan. The Word of God even talks about promises like that in Proverbs and Psalms of how the plans of the enemy will come back upon themselves. <laughs> and the plans of your enemies can come right back upon themselves to, to destroy them. Just don't you get nervous or worried about it. If people are, are making plans against you at work, just know, oh Lord, oh the things that will come against them if they were to do this sort of thing. Oh, this is not good. Oh, I, f- I mean, people come up to you and they make plans. Just, I feel, I feel bad for you right now. Because mm. I know what can happen and you don't. Oh, this is, this is just not a way to go. You sure you don't want to repent now? I mean, just get it all right right now. Just repent right now and get fixed. Because it's, it's going to be bad. But see, too many Christians, we see the plans that are made against us and we get, get up in arms and we cry and we fuss. We don't need to be doing that. We serve a God who can turn situations around in a day. And it may look like nothing's being turned around because Mordecai was at the gate and Haman, a lot of stress between him and Haman for a while. And it didn't seem like it was changing. It didn't seem like it was getting any better. There are a lot of times, you know, people were wandering the wilderness, the Israelites wandering the wilderness. It didn't seem like it was getting better. Joseph sat in the prison. It didn't seem like it was getting any better. Then all of a sudden, one day, it all changed. Joseph wakes up in prison just like any other day. But this day, he wouldn't go to sleep there. This day, before the day was over, he was going to be second in charge of the entire Egyptian empire. People answering to him. If you would have woke Joseph up that morning and said, this is the day. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I've been hearing that for a while now. This is the day, I'm sure. I mean, you can get that way. You can get a little, a little down about this, this kind of thing. I mean, just think about uh, Joshua out there. Joshua is second to Moses. Moses is in charge and Joshua is in line to take his position. But Moses is 120 years old and doesn't look any worse for the wear. I mean, how's it going to get any better here? I'm in line to take his position, but he don't show no signs of dying. I think I'm going to be second forever. I mean, he might... God, I've been faithful. I've been loyal. I'm supposed to be taking over here something. But he don't look like he's going to die. He just keeps on going. Yeah. And then one day, Moses comes out and strikes the rock. And God says, that's it. You're not taking him in. Joshua's going to instead 
And Joshua says, oh man. <laughs> Boy, did things change in the day. Joshua, he said, I got my shot now. Hmm. But see, don't, just don't dishearten. Just don't let the things that are going on around get, it, get on you. You got the economy that's going bad. Don't let it wear you down. You got people who come against you at work. Don't let it wear you down. You got doctors who say nasty things about your health and about the test results they got back. You don't let it get you down. You just keep on going. Father God, a whole lot can change in a day. I mean, I know what it is for today, but tomorrow can be a whole lot different. <laughs> and you go back and you think about the stories in the Word of God, how it talks about how things turned in a day. And don't think God's got to think about your situation so far in advance that He's got to put some Queen Esther in position. Because God can deliver him no matter what. He did not need... I mean, did you think that... Do you, uh, some people teach this. Do you think that God caused... King Xerxes to pick Esther? Because if he did, he went against his word. Because God says you're free to choose whatever you want to do. You can choose to obey, you can choose to disobey. It's up to you. You do what you want. So is it just that everybody else has a choice to disobey or obey and King, I King Xerxes had no choice? He had to obey? You do whatever you want. God said if you pick her, you know, we can do it this way. If you don't pick her, we'll do it another way. Don't matter to me. Whatever way you pick, whatever way you go. You can put Queen in that position. If you don't, there'll be somebody else in another position. I'll just use them. If there's nobody in any position, fire can come down and burn up the appropriate people. It don't matter. You can drop dead in your tracks. I can do all kinds of stuff. Don't ever think that God has to have a Queen Esther in a position to bring this about for you. God can use anything and anyone at any time in anything He wants to do. He'll find somebody who's willing to obey and He'll put it out there. You want to obey? Nope. Okay. Then you suffer the results. We'll find somebody else. You want to obey? Yeah. Alright. Then you get the blessing. I'll bless you instead. It's going to bless that one over there, but they didn't want to be blessed, so we'll come over here. You want to be blessed? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Just obey. Because God will find somebody who will obey and do the things that are necessary to take care of whatever has been formed against you. Because God cared about Mordecai. Elevated him to this position. Gave him the house of Haman to live in. Oh. Boy, a whole lot can change in a day, can it? But you've got to have that attitude. You cannot go about life with an attitude of, Oh, woe is me. Oh, I wish things were better. Oh, with God, it's so hard living here on this earth. And being obedient to you. Oh, it's so hard. I wish you knew how hard it was. I wish you knew how much I suffered trying to do what you want me to do. No. You get up there and say, Father God, you see what they're trying to do against me? I'm sure you're up there laughing at them. <laughs> they're trying to come against me and stop me. <laughs> they think they can stop me. Mm. No, they can't stop me. You see, you, you, you find people who face situations 
And we look back time after time after time. And the situation's changed in a day. But look at how the people handled it. The children of Israel, their situation changed in a day. But what was their conversation like on the other side of the Red Sea? And was God pleased with it? When the people came against Moses and he came out of his tent and saw all these people ready to kill him, he could say, Oh, woe is me. I've been trying to be faithful to you, Lord, but oh, woe is me. He doesn't do it, does he? He doesn't do it. He trusts in his God. And what's his God do? He delivered him. You want to come against my servant? I don't care who you are, children of Israel or not, I'll knock you right off your socks there. You don't come against Moses. You don't come against people of faith. Because I don't care who you are. Open up the earth and swallow you up. You think just because you're a children of Abraham, you're going to be spared? Uh-uh. Not, a, not at all. Knock you out. So if God will do that to the children of Israel who come against Moses, how much will He do to the children of the devil who come against you? How much will He do to sickness and disease that comes against your body? I mean, you should feel sorry for sickness and disease. Man, sickness and disease, I feel sorry for you coming against me because you're going to die. I mean, your, your time down here, it's, it's, it's short-lived now because you came against me. You shouldn't, have, you, sh- you shouldn't have done it. I'll tell you what, you might, if, you, if you leave now, you might have a chance. But you need to get out of here now. You, you don't want to be hanging around. Because tomorrow, tell you what, man, things can change in a day. But we don't speak to the sickness and disease or financial situations or economic situations like that, do we? But we should. Because we have countless times in the Word of God where things changed in a day. And give God a little bit more time? Boy. I mean, in one day, He took away your enemies. Now He gave you His house, His position, His authority, and His money. And now give us a little bit more time. We're going to send out an edict all around. And anybody who comes against any of the children of Israel, we're going to get all their money too and all their houses. And we're going to wipe them out. There'll be no enemies of Israel anywhere around. They'll all be dead. But the enemy forms against you. God can turn it around so that it does not happen. And what was formed against you will turn back on them. And in the words of Robin, holy backfire. (laughs) Oh, man. The plans of the enemy. I mean, Satan's used to this. He's seen his plans backfire lots. But he's also seen plans work. Because not everybody trusts God to turn things around. Trust God to turn your situation around. Trust Him. Whether there's a Queen Esther in your life or not, it doesn't make any difference. God will turn every situation around because He's God. Because He's that good. No matter how things look, whoever comes against you comes against God. Now, I ran out of room in your outline. And I couldn't fit this in, but I put it in mine. No matter how things look, Whatever and whoever comes against you comes against God. Understand it's not just the whoever's. 
It's the whatevers. Sickness and disease, poverty, lack, bad economy, whatever comes against you. And whoever comes against you comes against God. And it's about time that we as the children of, of God come against these as David came against Goliath. You come against me with a sword and a spear. But I come against you in the name of God. He understood. You cursed the people of God. You've come against Him. Therefore, you are defeated. I'm just coming in to mop up. That's all I have to do. I'm just coming in to mop up. Because it's done. Because of your words. If sickness and disease, poverty and lack, whatever it is that comes against you, comes against God. We need to look at it the same way. It's done. It's over. It's finished. God is that good. But every day up until then, we've got to keep feeding our faith and being encouraged and realized Joseph sat in the prison there for a lot of days, but then one day it all changed. And just like it did in this story and all the other stories we looked at, referenced, my my situation can change. In a day, things can look so different. But oh, let's not be the guy who's at the gate and gets trampled. Let's be the ones who enjoy the proceeds that are there. Let's be the ones that say, All right, God, if you say tomorrow at this time, this will happen. I believe it. God, if you tell me to hang on, keep on going, even though it's hard, even though it's it's tough, I'm going to do it. Because a whole lot can change in just one day. Oh, glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the help that you give us. We thank you for the good things that you can do how you can turn situations around so fast because you are God. You are a wonderful Savior. You are the Lord and Master. So much can change in a single day. Help us, Father, to always be encouraged and to always be looking to that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, keep looking at it this way. Always understand, things will change. Things will change. But when it's all changed and when it's all done, what side are you on? The side of faith? Or a different side? What side are you on? What do you believe in? What are you hoping for? I'll be on the good side. Being the side where things are changing. Any comments, questions? Things, Dad?